Last week, we kicked off uh, a new series called Living Free. Living Free, you know, and as I think about Brother Francis, one of the reasons he started this church is because he wanted people to get free and to continue to live free. Amen. He said that, that this place, one of the four things the Lord spoke to him was that this place would be a spiritual hospital, amongst other things, to help heal those that were broken. But, but part of that is to bring freedom. Uh, that's the whole reason that, that, that uh, one of the main reasons Family Life was started. So Pastor Todd's message last week was entitled, Freedom from Oppression. And during his message, he said this, God calls us to a life of freedom. Jesus came to set us free from spiritual oppression. He also said that spiritual freedom is within the grasp of everyone who desires it. Then he gave us two keys to experiencing spiritual freedom, which are earnestly and humbly pursue God through prayer and then passionately pursue God through fasting. And of course, it was, you know, he, he preached this last week right on the heels of us kicking off what we are now currently in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so as we talked, um, it was Wednesday we talked, and I asked him, uh, you know, the direction he was going. And, and, and again, I always love telling y'all this. So, you know, he, so he wanted to go in this direction today. And this scripture is the scripture he said he was going to start with. So, um, so today I'm, I'm going to go in the vein that Pastor Ty was going to go. And it's, it's in John 8.31 that we're going to start. If you have your Bibles, your phone, tablet, uh, you can go on our, our church app and follow along the outline and, uh, you know, also, you know, again, you can, we have paper notes if, if you need, if you still like old school taking notes with pencil and paper, which is, it's great, you know. John eight thirty one and 32 says this, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, how many people we have that believe in Jesus in here today? You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free, set you free. So the Lord makes it clear that the truth, and more importantly, knowing the truth will set you free. In this context, Jesus was talking about the gospel in general, but there are a lot of truths in the Bible that will set us free and help us to live free if we know them. You know, again, the, our vision here, and we believe it's God's vision, is to know God, live free, find your purpose, and to make a difference. And again, this is this is the, the central theme of the Bible, as, as we see, as Jesus said here, and that's why we believe it's it's part of our vision, and which ultimately is God's vision of the journey that he has every single person on. So the question this morning is, why is it that so many people, even believers, know what the Bible says, yet they're not living free? A lot of us know what the Bible says, but we might not be living free or living totally free or to the level of freedom that the Lord has for us. I believe one of the main reasons is because of wrong mindsets that are caused by negative thinking patterns. There may be something that you've heard, you've learned, and know, but wrong mindsets can distort that knowledge of the truth and keep you from living free. So we need to have freedom in our minds to truly live free. So today we're going to talk about mental freedom. And this was Pastor Todd's mess, uh, title, mental freedom. How do we get free in our, in our minds to truly grasp and, and not only know the truth, but to be able to, to embrace the truths of the Word of God that can truly set us free and help us to live free? Of course, mental freedom is fueled by the way that we think. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. How we think determines how we act. Isn't that right? Where the mind goes, 
the feelings follow and behavior is not far behind. Isn't that right? We know that to be true. You can have, you can be sitting alone in a room by yourself and feeling wonderful and you start thinking about one negative thing and you know your feelings are going to start to change. Isn't that right? Your feelings begin to change and, and, and they, you can get all riled up just by your thoughts. It's amazing, you know, when you read these scriptures like this, as a man thinks, in his heart, so he is. I love when, when modern day science backs up what the Bible has always said, right? So we read this powerful truth from Proverbs. And then, and then let me read some, some studies that neurologists have found uh, about the brain. So from studying the brain, scientists have found that repeated thoughts actually create physical grooves in the brain. When they practice, whenever we practice a skill, for example, learn a sport or study facts, a little trench is carved into our brain tissue. This is another reason why it's hard to break a habit. You know, we talk about habits all the time because a habit truly is physical, even in our brains. Repeated thoughts become not just brain grooves, but deeds and repeated deeds become concrete routines. Science has proven this. So think about all the negative chatter that goes on in our mind every day and maybe even every hour, right? And if you're thinking about the same things over and over, see whether it be good things or bad things, they're literally creating physical grooves inside of your brain. Isn't that amazing? The average person thinks about 60,000 thoughts each day. Normally, many are, are, are random thoughts, and many can be quite negative. Those repeated thoughts all take the form of negative feelings towards ourselves, others, and even God that, of course, can cause fears, doubts, insecurities, anxieties, etc. So if there's anything in your life that you don't like, that you want to change, beginning of the year, you know, we're still pretty early into January, people making New Year's resolutions and goals. If you want to change, if you have set out to change something in your life this new year, the first thing you need to change is the way that you think. It's your thinking. You need to change the way that you think. To get freedom, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But we have to change the way that we think. We have to change our minds. John Maxwell says this, change begins with the mind. Beliefs are nothing more than a byproduct of what you have thought about long enough, something that you have bought into. What you believe, what you think is just a collection of continuous thoughts that have formed themselves into a conviction. Another way of putting what the scientists have proved. I'll go a step farther and say this. Routines become convictions, and convictions become what the Bible calls strongholds in our mind. And this is interesting. The thing about a stronghold, I remember a good friend of mine, we were both youth pastors at the same time. He lives in another state. And, 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 and we began to talk about a young man that was struggling. I was trying to get through to him and minister to him. And, and, and he says, man, it sounds like he has a stronghold. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, man, what's interesting about a stronghold is that when you have a stronghold in your mind, not only does it hold you captive, right, because it does, Wrong mindsets and negative thinking patterns become strongholds, so it holds you captive, so you can't live free. As Jesus said, you can't have true freedom. But what's interesting about a stronghold, not only does it hold you captive, but a stronghold, if you look at it as like a fortress, it doesn't let anyone or anything like the truth in. That's the thing about a stronghold. Not only does it keep you in bondage, it doesn't let anybody or anyone, even the Lord or the truth or the gospel in. That's why it's so important that we have mental freedom, that we change the way that we think. 
Again, these wrong mindsets and strongholds can cause us to think inaccurately about ourselves, others, and even God, and will keep us from the plans that the Lord has for us. So I just want to look at a few wrong mindsets that I just mentioned that can affect our lives in a negative way. Let's look first at the wrong thoughts we think towards ourselves. There's a, there was a man in the Bible in the book of Judges. A lot of y'all have heard about him and read this story. Some of you may not. So I'm going to summarize and read the story. It was a man named Gideon. And God had plans and called Gideon to do some great things. But there was a roadblock. And let's read about it. Judges 6.1. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Now, the next few verses I'm not going to read. They go into detail of the way the Midianites were oppressing the Israelites. So let's pick up the story in verse 7. And when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. Remember last year, Pastor Todd talked, last week he talked about spiritual oppression. This is a good picture here. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat at the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the son of Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, was thrusting wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide from the Midianites. It's the kind of oppression he was under. He was hiding. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Look at verses 14 and 15. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And look at this last verse. I am the least in my entire family. The Lord came to him and already spoke to him and said, hey, you are a mighty hero. Some translation says mighty man of valor. An angel himself appeared to Gideon. And Gideon couldn't receive what an angel was speaking to him face to face because of the way that he thought about himself. He said, I'm the least in my family. How, how in the world can this happen? He had a stronghold in his mind. You see, behavior is based upon belief. Everything we do, our behavior is based upon belief. Whether you believe you can or you can't, you're absolutely right. Whether you believe you can or you can't do anything, you're absolutely right. Brother Francis used to say this all the time. See, we need to find out what the Lord thinks about us and start thinking that way about ourselves. See, Gideon had a way that he thought about himself. I'm the least in my family. And whether positioning and all that was true, God saw through all of that and says, you're a mighty hero. You're a mighty man of valor. So we need to figure out what does God think about us? And we know he does think about us, and I'm going to share a few scriptures today. And one of them is very familiar, Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen to what he says. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. So we think one way about ourselves, and, 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 and hopefully it lines up to what God says, but God thinks about us, and we're going to see later, he thinks about us all the time. And if you continue to read that scripture, he says, I know the thoughts that I think about you, says the Lord, that thoughts for good and not for evil, for a future. And for a hope, that's the way that the Lord thinks about us. The same way he thought about Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Today, in this room, there's a lot of mighty men and mighty women of valor. Amen? And you might not believe that. You might not know that. That's why we have to have mental freedom. We have to, we have to 
begin to, to, to recognize the wrong thought patterns we have about ourselves. These negative thoughts come from people around us, from the media, maybe from traumatic experiences we've had in our lives, and even from the enemy himself. We get all kinds of thoughts. We must reprogram our minds so our thoughts line up with the way that God thinks about us. And I'm going to talk about that in more detail in a little bit. The second way I want to look at wrong mindsets is the wrong mindsets are wrong thoughts about others. And, and, and what I'm talking about is, 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 let me explain this. It's not wrong thoughts about others. Like I think, okay, you know, Dean um, is wearing a brown suit instead of a black. Not like my thoughts towards him. Really, the way I want to break it down is wrong mindsets of others on how they're thinking about you. Let me give you an example. You've probably heard me use this example before. You ever have a conversation, a tough conversation you got to go have with someone and you don't really want to have the conversation and, and it, 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 it's a build up and it maybe takes a while and you begin to think in your mind, okay, when I go talk to him, if he says this, then I'm going to say this, right? Everybody's laughing because you've been there, right? He probably thinks this about me and he's probably going to say this. So I'm going to, you have so much self-talk in your head. Again, you, you're so riled up before you even get to the meeting, right? You ever been there? And then you end up having the meeting and it, it goes nothing like you planned, right? The 18 things that you thought they were going to say and how they thought about you, they didn't say not one of them, right? Come on, y'all laughing because you've we've all been there, right? So that's what I'm focusing on. Wrong thoughts about the way people perceive us or think about us. There's a great story. I love this story in the Bible. I remember a year, many, many years ago when I, I just, I was reading through the Bible when I was, I was younger in the Lord and I got a hold of this and see how powerful wrong mindsets are when you, when you think you know how people think about you or their perception of you, how it can mess you up. And there's a story in Numbers and it's when the children of Israel have been wandering in the wilderness and the Lord begins to tell them, Hey, I'm taking you into a new land. I'm taking you to the promised land. And he says, Hey, listen, send out told Moses, sent out 12 spies into the promised land. Go survey the land and see what's going on over there, right? So these 12 guys go, and they go check out the promised land. And, and I think we pass over that too fast sometimes. It's the land God had promised them. He said, hey, this is your land. I'm giving it to you. Why don't you go check it out, you know? Go, go see what it's like. Go see what you're going to need and the battles you're going to have to face. But it's the promised land. It's the land I am giving you. I promise you, God said, I'm going to give you this land. So the 12 guys go out. Numbers 13, 30, and 33. The guys come back. And we know, or a lot of us know, that 10 of them had a negative report, and they were saying, man, we can't take this land. There's no way. So listen to Caleb's reply. After these guys started all this negative report about the land, verse thir- uh, chapter 13 and verse 30 says, But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spent, they spread this bad report of, uh, about the land among the Israelites. The land was, we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes in there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Now look at this. And that's what they thought too. Okay. So this is their perspective. Of, of what the, these, these giants and these people in the promised land thought. First of all, f- from the first point, they had a negative thought about themselves, right? We went in there, these a bunch of big boys in Cajun vernacular. Some big boys in there, and we just felt, man, we're some grasshoppers compared to these, these guys. No way we'd be able to, 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 you know, match up with them. But not only do we feel like grasshoppers, man, they saw us as grasshoppers too. 
So that's what they thought. That was their mindset about the way that these other people perceived them. Then a couple of years later, a few years later, the time had come for the Israelites to actually go and, and, and conquer the land. It started with the city of Jericho. And Joshua had took over now for Moses, and they were going into the land. And Joshua did the same thing, and he sent out two spies to go into Jericho to see the best way, how we're going to you know, get into the city. And that was the beginning of their conquest of the promised land. Look at what it says in Joshua chapter 2 and verse 8. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know that the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know that you did what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. Does that sound like the same perspective that the spies had? He said, man, they, they said we feel like grasshoppers. They said, man, we're all scared of y'all. Like we heard about everything that the Lord has done and the miracles y'all have done. All, I mean, they said even in Egypt, that's right when they came out of Egypt, they heard about the Red Sea report. And you got to remember, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So when the spies went out, there had been all kinds of miracles the Lord had done. So these people in the promised land kept hearing about, man, these, these, these Hebrews, God is with them. These are, they're going to take this land. So these people didn't think the way that they thought that they thought about them. Y'all following me on that? That was a lot of thinking you had to do there, right? Our perspective, our mindset about the way we think people perceive us and perspect and have the, the, their thoughts towards us are often wrong. When we think a certain way about someone and how they see us, we will find evidence to support it even if it's not true. You need to hear that today. When you're locked in, see, that's a stronghold. It's a mindset that turns into a stronghold because no matter if you, if I think that Tony has something against me and Tony might not have anything against me and I don't believe he does. Love you, brother. But I will, if I believe that, I will find evidence to support that. If Tony's busy one day and Tony walks by me and I say, Hey, Tony, what's going on, brother? And he didn't even hear me walk. See, I, I knew Tony didn't like me. He just ignored me, right? And, and I will find evidence to support that, whether it's true or not. Listen, church, this is very, very dangerous, extremely dangerous. We have all these thoughts in our mind. And, and, and see, these are the things, remember, the, the, our foundation scripture here is you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. A lot of time in our minds, we're believing lies. So there's no room for the truth. And the truth might be in here, but, but because we're believing so many lies, it's hard for us to get set free. That's why we need to have mental freedom. So not only do we have wrong mindsets towards ourselves, towards others, this is the worst one. We have wrong mindsets towards God. We have, we have mindsets that are not right towards the Lord. That's why I love that song we sing in here, Build My Life. And I, 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 was, I was worshiping too this morning in my office before I came down here. And I love that line where it says, open up my eyes to see you in wonder and, and are in your glory. Like, Lord, show us who you really are. And, and, and you know, the circumstances and the traumatic experiences of life sometimes skew our view of who God really is. Like, for example, some Christians think, and even these born-again believers think, that God is nowhere to be found in hard times. But what does God say? And I love this. Guys, this happens all the time, and it happened again this morning. Both Kenetra said it just as she was worshiping, and I could tell it was just unction. And the last song, again, I, we didn't compare notes. I didn't even know I was preaching until Thursday morning. Me and Nathan didn't compare notes on the set list. And they sang this twice this morning. I heard this. Hebrews 13, 5. For God himself has said, I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. People think, you know, man, where is God at in all this? I don't know. God, God must have left me. God's abandoned me. I don't think he's here. He mad, he's mad at me. I, maybe I've done something wrong or this, that, and the other. And listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be even some of the strongest believers. Even my mom, when she was going down, I remember her questioning kind of some of the reasons why stuff was happening to her. And I remember her saying, like, I want, maybe it's because I have pride in my life. And I was like, Mom. You're one of the most humble people I know. You know, it's like, no, you know, and, and of course she was struggling. My mom kept the faith all the way through. I know, you know, her and Brother Francis are dancing on the streets to go this morning. Amen. They're having a great Sunday morning worship service and many others that have passed before. And she knew the Lord never, never forsake her, but some people do. But, but see, if you get that constant pattern that just because we don't sense God, again, another, that, that song Waymaker, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Let me, let me tweak those, those verses a little bit, that, the lyrics to that song. Even when we don't feel it, he's there. Even when we don't see it, he's there. Why? Put that back up, Doug, if you don't mind. Because God himself, I love the way this translation says it. God himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When Joshua was going into the promised land, we just talked about him. Joshua chapter 1, he says the exact same thing. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, you also may think, that God doesn't care about you, or maybe that God doesn't care about you, or maybe every little detail of your life, like, I mean, come on, God's a pretty busy guy, right? Can he really be that interested and, and be intricately involved and, and, and care about every bit of our, my life and every detail of my life? Well, I believe David had the right revelation and perspective of God. Because in Psalm 139, 17 and 18, King David says this, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grain of sand on all the seashore. Think about that. David knew that the Lord thinks about us every day, all day. Amen? So when you think, hey, does God care about me? Absolutely. You know what? It's funny. Like yesterday, Pastor Marty Crump from Wyoming, he was speaking and he was talking about being the son that went away and, and took care of, you know, kingdom business and Pastor Ty's the son that stayed here to take care of Brother Francis's kingdom business. And, and, and Pastor Marty said, and I was his favorite son, you know, and he said, but I, everybody was his favorite when they were with him. And he's true. Sitting on his front porch. When I was sitting with Brother Francis, I felt like I was his favorite in that moment. I had his undivided attention and and just Papa sitting in there on the front porch barefooted, you know, just looking me in my eye and just pouring into me. You know, God's the same way. I'm God's favorite, but we're all God's favorite. That's the good news, right? I don't say that probably. We're, you're God's favorite. We're all, we all, he thinks about you. you know, I, the way that, again, how he thinks about us should change the way we think about ourselves, others, and God. Amen. So negative thinking can keep us from the plan God has for us. See, only Joshua and Caleb were the only adults in all of Israel that were able to go into the promised land. Did you know that? Read through that story. Now, many of their children, they were the ones that grew up. But all of those people that had had the spies and everybody else that had, you know, rebelled against God and they didn't and believed the bad report wasn't able to go into the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb, because of their wrong mindsets about themselves and others, they weren't able to receive the full inheritance God has for them in the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb was like, oh, no, hold on. We can go. Let's take them. We can take these giants down. And they were able to go. So Rome mindsets can keep us from the plans we have. Now, this is not like a God-ordained one, but I, I can remember this as a kid about missing out on something that was very important to me at the time. I was playing peewee football. 
And, and, you know, I, I wasn't, I was playing defense. I think I was playing defensive end and, and, and I wasn't, I wasn't a starter, but I got to a point in the season where the coach was starting to work me into the rotation with the starter. And so when we were in practice, we would line up. And when he would say, Hey, defense, you know, it's time to line up. He would come and I would come behind him. And, and so I would rotate in and out with him. And one practice, you know, I hadn't started a game yet the year. So, you know, of course, and I understand I'm a child, but the principle is still very powerful to me. I was, I was standing by the bag of balls, just kind of talking and cutting up with another, another little guy. And the coach called for the defense to come and line up. Well, the starter that was there that day wasn't there. He, he missed practice for some reason. And they called for the defense and I didn't hear the coach because in my mind, I thought, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be starting. And I was talking and all of a sudden the coach called me, Miller. He said, I just called for the defense. He said, and you over there playing by the ball bag. He said, you would have been starting Tuesday night. And he called somebody else and put him at a defensive end. And I thought, man, I go, I look back on that and it's like, you know what? I already thought I probably won't be starting. So I wasn't paying attention. I thought the starters were going to line up. Then I'd go in after. Whatever you think you are, that's what you are. As a man believes in his heart, so he is, right? And so, you know what? Our wrong thinking can keep us. That was just, a, you know, me starting a position in peewee football. The Israelites cost them a lot more. What is wrong thinking and wrong mindsets been costing you? What is strongholds in your mind been costing you? The plans, the purposes, the blessings that the Lord has for you. So how do you change wrong mindsets, negative ways of thinking, and break strongholds in your mind? Our last few minutes together, I want to just give you a few things. Number one, I mentioned it earlier, you have to reprogram your mind. A lot of us are familiar with Romans 12 too. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn how God's will, to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Isn't that interesting? Same thing Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Apostle Paul later says, hey, if you change your thinking, then you will know God's will for your life. And it'll be good and pleasing and perfect, right? That's God's will. You remember? I know the thoughts I think for you, says the Lord. This is his thoughts for you. Put that back up, Doug, if you don't mind, please. This is his will. His will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. That's, that's, the, that's the way God thinks about you in the future he has for you. But we have to reprogram our minds. If you think negative about yourself, it's because someone or something has caused it. And that, that's one of the things we need to do is find out where do these mindsets start from? How did they come into our mind and then begin to, through, with God's help, begin to change them? You know that the Bible is all about changing your mind. In fact, changing your mind is the central theme of the New Testament. Did you know that? If you break down the word repent, the Bible says to repent. The word repent in the Greek, if you break it down, the word pent means to think. So the word repent means to rethink. When you repent from something, it means to rethink about that sin or lifestyle, and it also means to turn away. So the central theme, if you read through the Gospels, John the Baptist said, repent, because the kingdom of God is near. You read in Acts, as the new church began to preach, they said, repent and turn to God so you will be saved. The central theme of the New Testament is rethinking. It basically, repentant means to change your mind. The main way to reprogram your mind of course, it's through the word of God. Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Her is the church. In the whole context, he's speaking about the church. You must allow the word of God to wash away wrong mindsets and negative thinking. Remember Gideon, for example. Gideon had a wrong mindset about himself. He says, I am the least in my entire family. 
But what did God say? You're a mighty hero. He had to reprogram his mind. God told him that. And I encourage you, if you haven't read through the rest of the story of Gideon, to read it. Because he even asked God some, okay, God, if I'm a mighty hero, I need you to do this. I'm going to do this, and if it does this, then I... He kept testing God or, or putting tests before the Lord to confirm what God was saying was true. But God kept showing up every time and proving himself faithful to, to Gideon. And guess what? Gideon had a change of mind. And it was obvious because if you keep reading the story, God used Gideon to deliver the Israelites in a miraculous way. So Gideon was able to change, reprogram his mind according to the word of God. God was speaking to him directly. But you know what, guys? We have a 66-book, you know, Bible that God's still speaking to us directly. And I know he speaks to our spirit and our hearts and whatnot. And I shared some of that Wednesday night about how the Lord speak to me, uh, spoke to me. I saw David and Roxy here. Uh, they were asking me about this yesterday at the, the burial where the Lord over the, uh, uh, the last year or two years, something I was designed, the Lord spoke to me and he said, be patient and don't settle. And, and of course you think, man, is that my thoughts or is that the Lord? Well, the thing that I've been desiring, try to plan to come to pass, you know, um, it happened in my life and it was unexpected. And the Lord had told me, be patient, don't settle. The Lord will speak to our spirits. But the way we think about ourselves, people, and even God needs to be reprogrammed. And it only can be done through the Word of God. Reading the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, and believing the Word of God. Number two, stop the negative thoughts from coming in your mind. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says we must take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You see, listen to this. The mind is as much a receiver of thoughts as it is a generator. See, read, like I said earlier, we know we can generate our own thoughts, but the mind is as much as a receiver. So listen, you have to, 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 to stop these thoughts before they even come in. The battle is best won at the threshold of the mind, not once it's full-fledged in the door, so to speak, right? I, I think about this, and I know, I mean, they still do a little bit. DirecTV recently uh, did this to me, but, you know, you don't have too many door-to-door salesmen, but if you have people that come to your house to try to sell you something, like I said, Direct TV did it, I think, last year. I was outside, my, me and my daughter were working in, our, in, a, in the flower bed, and, and they came around the corner, and, hey, do you have cable? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, and I love it. And I was like trying to, you know, or if somebody calls. Now, I don't know how I tell them, because it's got all of our cell phone numbers. Did you, you know that? And they sneak you. They like Doosan, Louisiana, and there's somebody like, you're not from Doosan. I can tell, brother. I don't know how they do this, you know. But... What do you find about salesmen or salespeople? If you can stop them before they even start their sales pitch, it's a lot easier to, 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 it is a lot easier to stop them, right? No, I'm happy with cable. No, but what about it? No. And, and if you can stop them before they even, back in the day when they used to come to their house, you remember even just a few years ago, uh, people that were selling the vacuums, like the rainbow vacuum and stuff. Do you remember they come to your house and just knock on your door? Don't let, I wouldn't even let them people in my house. Because I know once they get in there and they set a one, you know, and, and she can tell you that she was here, my wife would be like, I'm like, no, we don't need a vacuum. Then if they start the sales pitch, my wife was like, that vacuum sounds awesome. You know, I'm like, no, we don't need another vacuum right now, you know. So thoughts are the same way. You have to stop them at the threshold before they even come into your mind. And this takes discipline, you know. So I, it, we need to do this, especially during while we're praying, while we're worshiping. I mean, honestly, if you were absolutely honest with me, and this thought ran through my mind, that's why I'm asking you. During worship, how many of you had the most random thoughts while we were trying to worship? If you were really honest, and I'm not going to look at anybody with jerseys on, how many of y'all thought about the Saints game during worship? Be honest. Be honest with me. That, that had a passing thought through my mind, right? All kind of things, you know, right? Okay. 
So you're laughing because it's true. You didn't raise your hand, but your laughing tells me that you, you probably had the thought, you know, right? Uh, you know, and, and, and thoughts are going to pass through our head, but it's, it's it, taking them captive. Okay, no, you know what? I'm, we're at church. I'm not, I'll watch the Saints game later. I'll worry about that later, right? We'll, we'll, we're not going to, right now I'm focusing on the Lord and on worship. We got to discipline our minds. Those things are going to pass through our minds. We have to stop them at the threshold, right? You know, this is another reason why it's so good. Again, you know, like as much as as much as you can. I mean, I just admitted that I was going to be watching the Saints game this afternoon. But why it's good to fast from from media, and not only during this time, but like, man, just to not be on, you know, on on, on Facebook and on, and watching the news all the time. Listen, I think we need to go on a permanent news fast as it is, man. It because you know I like how Pastor Larry says the CNN is constantly negative news. So think about that. Even, and whether whatever your news program and however you lean and all, I get it. But like, my wife does not like to watch the news anymore because it's mostly negative. That's why it's good to take a break from that stuff, right? Because you're, you're just feeding all kind of negativity into your mind. And you're just, you're not stopping at the threshold. You're reading it. You're, you're letting it in. You're giving it, you know, uh, a, a cup of coffee. You're entertaining it. You're dwelling on it. And before you know it, at the end of the day, it's just like you all riled up because of just what you heard on the news, right? I mentioned earlier, we pick up a lot of romances from the media. Number three, of course, the obvious, but it's so powerful, especially during this time of prayer and fasting, we're focusing, pray about negative thoughts and, and wrong mindsets. I often use the scripture, but as I, as I read it again yesterday, as I was preparing, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, check this out. If you do this, you would experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human, what? Mine can understand. Now listen to this. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. When you begin to pray, period, but especially about your thoughts, the Lord says he'll put your thoughts at rest and at peace, right? You know, prayer helps realign your thoughts to the Lord and what he says. That's why we dedicate 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of every year. We're trying to realign our thoughts, our mindsets, our pattern of thinking, our way of living unto the Lord. Are y'all following me? Are you with me this morning? You know, I remember a young man telling me once that he was having this major battle in his mind, and it was extremely hard for him. But he said when he started praying about it, he overcame it. We know that but through prayer, again, everything I'm, all these things I'm, I'm encouraging you to do, you can't do on your own. It's impossible to do on your own. You got to have the Lord's help and you, you have to pray about it. You have to begin. Listen, I, I'll be honest with you. Even about yesterday, things that were going on, I begin to think about some things that started getting negative. Then I, I quickly changed my perspective and looked at it in a certain way. And I felt negative emotion coming up and I thought, you know what? I begin to focus on the positive and how, you know, God was being glorified through all of this. During this time of fasting, you might want to write this down. I encourage you to write this down right now. If as I've been talking, you know you have wrong mindsets and whatnot. During this time of fasting, ask the Lord to show you what mindsets you have that are hindering you and to break those strongholds off of your life. Ask him to show you. Because sometimes we don't even know. We think that these thoughts are right, man. These thoughts are spot on. You know, sometimes the Lord can come and tap us on the shoulders and say, no, you're off there. You're off there. Ask the Lord to show you. Well, what are the wrong mindsets I have? I need mental freedom, Lord. I want to live free. What are the wrong mindsets I have? Ask him to show you and to break those strongholds. And the fourth and final thing that you've heard me use many times as well, but I, th- there's timeless truths in, in the word of God, and it's Philippians 4.8. Now, 
Brothers and sisters, as I close my letter and as I close this message, let me say one more thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. You remember? Wrong perspective of others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about it. Look at the language that Paul uses here. This is so powerful. Fix your thoughts on on what is true and good. Dwell on the fine good things and then think about what you can praise God for. I always share this at funerals because it's one of the key ways to help through the grieving process. And again, many of us are grieving in here today about Brother Francis. And I know there's been a lot of people that have loved ones that have gone to be with the Lord and this is one of the key ways. You know, I, I was honored a few years back. I got some really good friends of mine. They, they come to church here. They're, they're, they're not in this service. But they tragically lost their three-year-old son. He, he drowned in an accident. And, and um, we, we grew up together. And, and, and uh, me and, me and my, my, my friend, me and my uh, Waylon, the husband, the father. And um, he asked me to be a part of the, of the service. Um, and at the time, his wife was still uh, going to the Catholic church, and, and so they're having a Catholic mass. And so I didn't know at what part I was going to do the eulogy, and I thought I would do it at the funeral home, but I ended up sharing the eulogy during the mass, which was very, very, uh, uh, was very much an honor. And, and, and the priest at the time was doing it was a, a he's a very well-known priest, and, and I actually, in this area, I love him. He's a great old Cajun guy that I, I know he loves the Lord. And, and so, but I had never ministered in a Catholic church since I've been a Protestant pastor. And so I didn't know how he would, and he had told me before we walked in the church, because it was a long day. This young couple, you know, tragically, uh, sons passed away, and he, he grabbed me and he said, hey, keep it short, because it's already been a long day for him. So I'm like, okay, if pressure wasn't on enough, now I'm like, am I going to go too long? So I got up and I shared, and I shared this scripture. I shared Philippians 4.8 and some other things about, about their son. And after the service, this priest that has been a priest longer than I've been alive, he came up to me and he grabbed me and he looked me in my eyes and he said, you know, Philippians 4.8? And I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, like, I'm about, he's about to correct me here. He said, that's one of the best scriptures in the Bible. He said, if more people would do that, they'd get rid of most of their trakas in their life. That's what he told me. I was like, I love you, man. And I, like, I hugged him, you know, and but spoken from an old wise Cajun man, a, a, a man of God, isn't that the truth? If we would do this, if we would think upon things that are good, that are honorable, that are praiseworthy in the Cajun vernacular, we would get rid of most of our trakas. Spoken so great. And if you don't know what I mean, it just means our, our mess up, our issues, our, our, you know, things that are going wrong. So as we conclude, again, thinking about the great brother Francis Martin. You know, and I know it's hard right now, guys. I just want to try to encourage you as we close and turn the corner again. And instead of focusing, and I know we will. I know I will. I did this morning as I pulled up here and looked around this campus and just looked around what Brother Francis has, has done and started. I mean, I wouldn't be here today. You know, if this, you know, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. But instead of focusing on the fact that he isn't here, let's focus on where he's at. He's dancing. Look, him and Ms. Babs are dancing. He's dancing on the streets of gold now, right? Let's focus on where he's at. Let's focus on the legacy that he has left. An incredible legacy because me and you, everyone sitting in here today are part of it. And let's also focus on how we can continue to build upon the work that he's, he's began and has continued. Let's build on his shoulders. You see, that's what Philippians 4 is doing. And when you do that, yes, we miss him. We're going to miss him. But when you think, man, look at this, this, this great legacy that he has left here and we can build. And what, so what, when we get to heaven, you know, Brother Francis, Jesus is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I hope that Brother Francis is going to be pleased with me on how we continue to minister at and through Family Life Church. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me? 
So what are some wrong mindsets you have? What are some negative thoughts that you've been dwelling on? Talk to the Lord about them. Ask him to show you. And then reprogram your mind. Stop the thoughts at the threshold before they come into your mind. Pray about negative thoughts and wrong mindsets. And then fix your thoughts on the right things, the good and honorable and praiseworthy things. Please go ahead and stand up with me as we conclude. We started in John 8, 32, where Jesus said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And in that context, he was talking about the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news. The truth of the gospel is that we've all sinned and that Jesus died in our place to forgive us and cleanse us from our sins. But we have to do our part. How do we do that? Remember what I said? The word repent means to rethink or to change your mind. Acts 3.19 says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. You see, if you change your mind and your stance about sin and the life that you're living, the Lord will change your heart and he'll change your eternity. Do me a favor. Please bow your head with me and close your eyes just out of respect for others and out of reverence for the Lord. Lord, we bow before you again and just reverence and adoration and worship of you. If you're in here today and you've never repented of your sin, if you're living a life and you know that there's sin in your life, there's something in your life that you know doesn't line up with the truths of the word of God, and you've never turned away or re- or, 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 or rethought about the way that you live your life. Remember, you have to make a choice. You have to rethink and turn away, repent. Then the Lord will change your heart and he will change your eternity. If that's you today, you said, Brandon, I don't know if I've ever done that. I don't know if I'm right with the Lord. And as we've been talking about Brother Francis going to heaven and, and, and sharing in all the great glory, are you sure whenever you die at your funeral or the day after your funeral, are people going to be talking about you being in heaven? If you say, Brandon, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm right with God. That's you. I just want you to slip your hands up. And I want to pray for you. And I want to make sure that you're right with the Lord today. I want to pray for you. I see your hand, ma'am. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anyone else? Thank you all. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand over here, sir. Anyone else? Say, man, I need to get right with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's go ahead and pray. The Bible says to repent of your sins. That means to to ask the Lord to forgive you. Turn away and make him the Lord of your life. And I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And we're all going to pray this together. For those that raise your hand, just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I turn away from my sins and I turn to you today. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. And I'll be sure to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, why don't we give these a round of applause. God bless y'all. Thank you. God bless you. Hey, for those of y'all that that raised your hand, do me a favor. There's a card in the pew in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Fill out that card. It takes about a minute, maybe. And go out these doors in the lobby, in the info center. Drop it off to me. We want to help you out. We have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one. We want to pray for you. Uh, So uh, we rejoice with you and we want to help you. For the rest of us, hey, let's let's line up our thoughts with the Lord's thoughts. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful day. God bless you. May the Lord be with you as you go.